Cool. Okay. Right, let's give this a go. They're fantastic. <laughs> 53 minutes in. Hi, and welcome to the Wireless Podcast with the BFO's Fast, Free, and Frictionless. On today's show, we're going to talk about Twitter, repairs, and DPI drones. I'm your host, Dan Jones, and I'm joined by Chris Reed, and the man looking for any opportunity in international waters, Mr. Ryan Dodds. There we go. Love it. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm. I feel like I've just been in a like windowless room doing nothing but reports and meetings back to back and things like that. I, I feel like I haven't seen the light of day for a few weeks. Uh, <laughs> I, is that because you haven't seen the light of day for a few weeks? Yeah, I think it might be actually. <laughs> How have you been? Uh, good. I haven't seen you for quite a long time. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I think this is our first uh, first podcast uh, with it is. me as an actual host. I know. Yeah, it's good. But like, I think this is the the great thing about us having this slightly larger team now, right? Is that you know, just because I'm not around, because I've got my head in some hole somewhere, that we can we can still do these things and crack on. And and like previously, like tonight would have just been me on my own so it's great that that you're around so I, you gotta have that radio personality to do it by yourself and <laughs> i don't think any of us have that no, no. I, I honestly i was listening to the radio earlier and i thought how do they how do they do it they're just talking to themselves for like four hours straight i yeah it's it's certainly a skill particularly with the ones that do so they do the the um those monologues and then immediately shift over to doing an interview like yeah. that, that's that's two different skill sets that they've got to uh, they've got to align and turn one off and on um i'm a the, the the folks that are really good at it i'm i'm amazed at yeah yeah it's yeah i'm like super super impressed with yeah just anyone anyone that can stand the sound of their own voice for that long is is impressive <laughs> A lot of them have been doing it for a while, so uh, that's true. And I, I think with everyone doing Zoom now, and some of us having audio feedback, that yeah, uh, we all start to hear our voice a little bit more than we used to. That's true. That's true. That's no, all good. Anyway, what are you what are you drinking tonight in the pub? So I have. Uh, I'm going light today. Uh, no, no double IPAs. So I've got Long Trail's Little Anomaly Light IPA. Oh, nice. Uh, it's a uh, it's a pretty nice one. Uh, I I had a very maybe it wasn't my favorite, but it was a, a, a summer beer that I I drank through the whole summer from Wachusett Brewing. Okay. Um, that was a light IPA, and it was it was light. It was like ninety calories, but on top of that, it was a great tasting IPA. So mm -hmm. it was like win win there. Um, this one is is but a shadow of it, but uh, it's okay. <laughs> It'll do. It'll do. It's fine. It's still ninety calories, so nice, nice. It's it looks like it's quite a like a cloudy, like a milky one. Has it has it got milk in it? Because I know some some IPAs they they put actual milk in them, don't they? Uh, no, this is more reminiscent of. Uh, so we've got uh, hazy IPAs in uh, uh, in the U.S. Uh, and a lot of them are like Northeast hazy. Uh, okay. That uh, so that that cloudiness, a lot of those are okay. are similar to it. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so they they can either just be unfiltered or just be naturally cloudy. Nice. I I, I like a I like a like a, a cloudy hazy beer. It's always a fave. It's very nice. Uh, yeah, the, those hazy IPAs they tend to be particularly the the ones that are referred to as northeast hazy. They they tend to be lower alcohol percentage and uh, like a great summer drink. Yeah, just like proper proper session session beer where it's just all day yeah. drinking and it's just. 
by the time you finish the beer, you've kind of worked worked off the alcohol that was in it anyway. So <laughs> if you're moving around a little bit, yeah. <laughs> nice. We're do we're doing that Top Gun volleyball scene and drinking the beer <laughs> and then going back to it. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm on a I've got a nice 2016 Rioja. Uh, a a Rioja is a a favourite wine of my wife's um, and so we always have at least 12 bottles of Rioja in the house at any one time so that's what I've I've defaulted to Uh, so that's a that's a red wine right red wine yeah it's a Spanish red so it's Tempranillo grapes in a Rioja so how would that compare taste-wise to like a Pinot Noir or a, a Cabernet? And, and as we start talking wine, everyone's going to turn off. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm fussy in the sense of I really, really like French wines. And, I, and that's such like a European old wine thing to say, right? Um, but yeah, so French wines are my favorite, like a like a coast the Rhone or somewhere around that kind of region would be, would be my, my favorite. My wife just loves Rioja. does you know, it doesn't really matter what Rioja it is, just a Rioja. That's, that's her fave. But I was with, um, I was with UC recently in, in Finland and they have loads of German red wine in Finland. And it was amazing. I've never had German red wine. It was so good. Uh, yeah, I didn't like. Is that does that have the climate? I guess if it's good, it must have the climate for it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I was I was genuinely shocked. Um, but yeah, it was. It, I mean, it, you know, it was probably just that it was good German red wine, right? <laughs> but it was it was nice. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I tend to I actually don't like white wines, but I like red wines. Same. And uh, the the way your wife is with Riocas that that Malbecs are my so right. uh, although it, uh, any of the Argentinian uh, Malbecs I'm 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 into if it's on a if it's on the restaurant menu and I'm feeling wine it's what I go for. <laughs> yeah, too right. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, so what are we covering today? Well, so. I was just thinking I was just thinking back on like just a few few of the things that kind of jumped out at me this week right and obviously one of the main ones is obviously Elon's purchase of Twitter so I thought we could start there because I think I think what's quite interesting about that is is one it's brilliant because it's Elon and Elon's going to Elon right um <laughs> but I do it's just think... buying it for the memes right exactly yeah I do, I do think it's quite interesting. Like he he's talking a lot about kind of bringing free speech back and not not kind of um, you know censoring any of it and all this kind of stuff. And I just wondered kind of what our what our thoughts were on that. I, yeah, actually, before we get there, do we want to cover the elephant that's not in the room? Uh, where's Ryan? Yeah, I don't know where Ryan is. He said he was going to be here. <laughs> It's not. I was just gonna just try and let him slide in on on the on the offside. But uh, no, we'll we'll call him out. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair play. <laughs> I like that. when he shows up, we'll make fun of him. That's the yeah. that's the only way to do it. Yeah. I'll I'll message him now. Uh. So jumping back to Twitter. Um. Uh, yeah. I mean, Elon buying it. It. it Elon buying anything is is newsworthy. Just. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it it's fun. I don't know if fun's the right word, but it's it's fun to have uh, have that personality involved in, in the news, and uh, it, it's um, it, it's fun to talk about. And uh, uh, he's always got interesting things to say. Uh, I think because he's not he's not a typical CEO, and right. his uh, his uh, unguarded comments uh, all over the place, or maybe they're guarded and they're they're purposeful, but uh, they're uh, they're always great great to track. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. I, the, the, see, I don't, I don't, I don't know with the like. I think with Elon, his Twitter is the is probably one of the most genuine insights into a person. I think that you'll get. Do you know what I mean? Like, just stream of consciousness. Uh, yeah, I, like, is it though, or is that um, is that a a personality that he's built? Is that his performance? Has yeah, he put maybe. on his makeup when he goes and does that kind of stuff? Yeah, maybe. 
maybe i i don't know i i find it i find it very interesting how someone whose time is so valuable and and he talks about how valuable his time is right um you know uh, there was a, a the tedx uh, the ted talk that he did recently i don't know if you saw that but um you know he he talks about how you know he 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 can have a half hour meeting and the outcome of that meeting can have like a 300 million pound swing on the share price of his company right <laughs> so it's like his time's valuable I, I- yeah, so he's he's a powerful individual across multiple companies, and uh, yeah. so I guess I guess anything he does can have a, a sweeping impact on on either individual levels at those companies or or across the market. Yeah. Um, so I think what what's most interesting, and one thing I want to, I'm curious about how this plays out, is his now ownership stake in another large yeah. entity. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's already splitting his time between. Um, uh, SpaceX and Tesla um, and uh, is Solar City still around? Whatever. Uh, yeah, well, they're part of Tesla now, aren't they? Yeah, but he, he, he's got yeah. Neuralink, boring company. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, um, the Starlink and uh, and and SpaceX and the relatively large endeavors. Uh, yeah. So the Solar City component less so. The boring company, uh, less so when compared to the other ones. I think yeah, for yeah. for for any of us, it's like, oh, that's a big company. Um, <laughs> but that he's splitting his time now, so his his valuable time is now spread across uh, a a bunch of groups. So, what does that look like when it comes to how Tesla is going to be run going forward, and and how Twitter is going to be run going to forward? Uh, is yeah. that does he does he have uh, is is he going to be in all the board meetings and uh, um, go into the office at uh, at Twitter HQ, um, or does he just go in and say, "Here's what I want" and leave? Yeah, I I think there's the danger of that. Right? Is that is that he does that? He he just goes in and goes. These are the five changes I wanted made. You know, I've I've managed to find forty four billion. You know, in my back pocket, but. You know, these are the things I want to see, and and I worry that that might actually be the case. Right? Is that is that he goes in because he wants these few things changed, and that's you know what's forty four billion. <laughs> yeah, and and I think for uh, for Tesla fans and Tesla shareholders, that's probably the best case scenario. Yeah, totally. um, is is yeah. is that he's not spending so much time um, in running Twitter and and is back and focusing on on Tesla and SpaceX. Is 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 the plan then for him to take Twitter private? Is that was that the the plan? Is that is that what he's because I know that he talked about that, but I don't know if that's what he's actually doing. I don't know if it's actually going private um, or not. I, I know uh, that it was uh, it was his twenty six ish billion, if I remember correctly, plus uh, plus a few other large. Yeah. Um, so some of it coming from loans, some of it coming from his uh, mostly Tesla stock, yeah. um, and then uh, a few other individuals uh, for that ownership. But I I don't know whether that's just a, an outright purchase of shares or whether that's an, an overall purchase it goes private if you currently have twitter stock you just get a check uh, and you no longer have twitter stock um i I don't know what that looks like okay yeah i I, so in in terms of in terms of cons i I think i think those those are those are quite kind of obvious you know world's most you know valuable you know world's richest man now controls the voice of the internet right that's 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 a pretty is that a good thing or not probably not um <laughs> what i mean yeah what 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 you what are your thoughts uh, yeah i'm i'm a little mixed on that uh that uh if you want if you want to look at at sort of the free market that if you don't like what elon's doing um that there are other alternates yeah. out there that you could yeah. you could decide that you know what maybe maybe zuckerberg is the the guy for you um <laughs> and you want to shift back to facebook with your grandmother um or maybe something else starts up and and says you know what we need this uh, if he's pushing free speech like no we we need some some curated 
um, healthy discussion mm -hmm. um, on on this platform, um, and we'll uh, we're going to create that. So I, I don't know that there's a right answer for no. whether it's good or bad, and like everything, that the the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, and I think I think there are a lot of things that you know he he's saying that personally i agree with i you know i think i think having a space where people disagree with you is probably quite helpful because i think so often now with algorithms and things like that you get stuck in this echo chamber right where you're just hearing your own viewpoint kind of you know hitting back at you type thing because you it you're only engaging with people that you agree with and all this kind of stuff um uh, yeah, so that that debate and discussion is is a good thing, but but whether is is Twitter the healthy place for that, and is that the place where you have good discussion uh, exactly. uh, versus yeah. uh, versus just being called names and yeah. hit, hitting the report button and saying this this person's wrong and yeah. we're going to dox them and <laughs> and that kind of thing. So, so I th I think like one of the things for me that I've always thought about these these kind of internet forums right going way 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 back was you know i remember as a kid coming up with new usernames because you know i i would want to you know play this new game for instance and not play against the same people i was always playing against so i would set up a new account so that i could play you know age of empires 2 against a, a, a new group of people because I, what I was finding was with my ranking in Age of Empires 2, I was I was only ever playing the same kind of 20 people over and over and over again. You um, wanted to go back to the rookies. Well, I, I just wanted to go back to something different, right? Like, because, you know, it'd be like, oh, I'm playing this person. Well, I know how they play. I know, you know, they're not going to do anything different to how, you know, whatever. Um, so, and, you know, and I'm talking like, back in the year 2000 or whatever, you know, when I, when I was doing stuff like that. Um, so there's part of me that where I think, you know, just, just making it so that you have to do some sort of ID verification or some sort of I am a real person verification, however that's done, so that you get rid of the bots, you get rid of the people that are just quickly making a new account to do X that would be a really useful thing to have. But again, how is that? How do you do that? How do you police that? How do you, you know, all this raises all those questions too. Uh, yeah. So that, that, um, my comments being tied to me, yeah. um, <laughs> I think by default will, will raise the level of discussion at least a little bit. And, and yeah. that because they're, while you may have free speech, you're not, it, it's not free of consequences yeah uh, and if you're if you have to put your name behind what you're saying um i think that uh that does elevate the discussion uh i the question is on the internet do you do you as an individual want to be yeah is that who you want to be on the internet yeah um or do you just want to be anonymous on the internet and and not be tracked and not have the the ads targeted at you individually or just just your unique yeah, and, advertiser id yeah well that and but but also you know you go for a job interview in six years time and they've run some you know software that scrapes everything and pulls up everything you've ever said and you know you once mentioned that you didn't agree with x you know and, and now all of a sudden you know 10 years later that's you know, coming up against you and you just think, whoa. <laughs> I, yeah, that the uh, I the kids growing up right now, everything that they're doing is going to be tracked. I'm, I'm really lucky that like, yeah, the internet was a thing and we were playing, but it wasn't what it is now. Yeah. Um, and th thank God, because I was an idiot as a, as a kid. <laughs> uh, and I probably would have put stuff out that, that would not be acceptable. Yeah. Um, because I'm an idiot and I, I haven't grown up yet. Uh, totally. and I made mistakes as a kid and yeah. uh, as we all did. So, yeah. um, that kind of stuff, if all of that through your entire life is, is tied to you, mm. um, you get the opportunity to make, make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. 
you know, I remember I remember leaving home at like seventeen or whatever it was, moving to London, and I was able to start an entirely new life. <laughs> you know, no no one knew who I was. You know, all this kind of stuff. It was great. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, like nowadays, that's just not a thing, right? Because you might move halfway across the globe, but you've still got this digital CV, you know, that's following you. I, yeah, your friends and family may not be able to find you, but the ads sure can. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Zuckerberg knows where you are. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I, so uh, Musk has talked about the free speech component of, of Twitter, but uh, yeah. do you know what other changes has he talked about? Um, putting forward well i know i know one of the things one of his main things has been that he wants to get rid of these bots right that's that's one of his main things like the crypto scams and you know all that kind of stuff that you know anytime he tweets there's like a thousand tweets instantly after him that's like you know dm me and i'll send you some free bitcoin (laughs) he's gonna put alan out of business i know (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's the only thing that's keeping his Ponzo scheme going. Um. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I, I, I don't necessarily. I, I'm not sure where I stand on on the the real identity being tied to tied to the account. But uh, I'm fully in support of, of a reduction in the in the bots. And I mean, it's across. It's it's YouTube comments and Twitter and and on Facebook and I, I mean Xbox. Like I look there's 10 dms every day from random accounts that are um that are just spam with links and uh it 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 makes the experience worse so i I think i'm i'm in agreement with that whether real identity is is the way to do that i'm not sure on yeah so i mean like there there are a few other things that that i was thinking about obviously he's been in trouble a few times with the sec isn't he for saying things on twitter so there was part of me that was kind of like is there is his move for kind of free speech as he would call it a way of kind of saying you know you shouldn't be able to you shouldn't be able to find me millions and millions of dollars when i say i'm thinking of taking tesla private um do you think that comes into it at all i i mean I- it might in his mind, but there's no way that that actually happens. That his totally. his problem isn't the platform; it's the statement that he's making that the SEC has has yeah. problems with. It's it's the uh, he's a market mover, and if he yeah. purposely makes false or misleading statements to move yeah. the market, and then gains or his friends gain uh, assets as a result of that, that's the problem. So yeah. him he can own he could own Twitter, Facebook. YouTube com- uh, and if he wants to buy Google combined, it doesn't change the fact that the SEC <laughs> still still will have a problem with him. Yeah, well, because I I know I know there's like so obviously in Europe recently there's been some laws passed that have been against things like hate speech and you know things like that 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 make it now illegal to do things like that on social media platforms. So that goes against his kind of free speech play just in the sense of you know i think what he would say is look if it's against the law in a particular place then you have to abide by the law of whatever thing you're you're a part of but what i do find interesting is that this idea of free speech in somewhere like America might be quite different from an idea of free speech in somewhere like Europe and probably even more so in somewhere like Russia, for instance. Uh, right. And so uh, he's if he's going to have a presence there, that, that he's not going to have a choice. He's going to have to abide by the rules of the country. Um, but there's other players in this that can force his hand even further is that uh, both uh, Google and Apple have content moderation policies as part of uh, being present in their app stores. So if he wants to exist within Play Store and within the app store, uh, he's going to have to follow their content moderation rules. So um, there's... Apple's proven that there's exceptions if you're big enough and and you make a a good enough case or 
um, whether whether legally or not. Um, <laughs> that, uh, but he he can't go against them and and have the market share that he has. If he's private, he can do whatever he. If yeah. it's fully private, he can do whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. um, that he he could decide. You know what? I don't want to be on the app store anymore. Use your browser. Um, yeah. But if it's still publicly traded, he can't do that. He can't say, you know what? I'm not going to be part of one of the biggest ways that we make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's an interesting thing as well, right? Because I mean, surely there's no way that in his lifetime he's going to make back the money he spent on Twitter, unless there is like. Either either plans to charge, or or he's seeing past the kind of monetary value and more on the influence value that something like owning Twitter can afford him. You know, so when he's thinking about things like um, trying to sway public opinion in terms of his Mars project, or you know, you know things like that, or or, or trying to further. Tesla and and their kind of vision of of this kind of sustainable energy movement and things like that. Do you think that a part of that is almost like a loss leader? I'll pay this money because it means that I can influence or I can be part of something that's influencing public opinion. I yeah, I mean from uh, for the uh, for Mars projects or or for Tesla, look uh, the. Um, 44 billion or whatever it was like that that's a big that's a big check to pay back uh so i i don't know that there is a direct correlation between that purchase and what he could do with the other organizations that that he owns or partially owns um that um it, it there's a i think this is more akin to jeff bezos and buying washington post in that, that this was not going to be something that was going to make him a ton of money, mm -hmm. but being able to say that he owns a media company or a newspaper, that that's when you're hanging out with your billionaire friends, you can compare what you, what you have. Uh, I think this is more, more aligned, aligned yeah. with that is, is he's buying it to say that he's, he's bought it. Um, he's a user and wants to make changes and wants to see it differently. Mm -hmm. Um, that, uh, I, I think it's really more. He just want, wanted to buy it to buy it and own yeah. it and make the changes that he wants to see uh, that he wouldn't be able to make even if he was just a member of the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's I think you're right on that. I think like is I'm always relatively cynical, right? So in my head, I'm thinking, well, just being able to gather user data. You know, you know, you talk about like the advertising and all that kind of stuff. He, I know he's spoken about like open sourcing, like the algorithm, and making any changes or any biases that the algorithm is making towards you more open, so that people can see what's happening. And and all that sounds great, but in my head, I'm still thinking, but you you're still you know you're still gathering data on individual users what they're engaging with what they're not you know in terms of like a a marketing and a media uh, kind of the data that you're able to get out of that to then help inform how are we going to launch x how are we going to position y you know that type of stuff like there's a lot of really really valuable data there when you're trying to sell someone a car or trying to sell someone <laughs> do you know what i mean I, there, there is, but um, that there's uh, owning the data directly and being d directly involved in in that acquisition of the data is yeah. is probably gives him a leg up a little bit over some of the other ones. But but uh, for less than forty four billion, he could have bought that data from a sure. data broker, um, or bought um, analyzed data from a data broker, or just targeted data um, for because. Yeah. Uh, for Tesla, for instance, that you're you're probably not going to be targeting with uh, marketing from Tesla to someone making minimum wage. No, um, sure. there's, there's no mechanism for <laughs> for you to buy a Tesla um, unless you wanted to start to start to make a scooter or, or something like that. That that um, so 
his data on whether it's for Starlink, whether it's for SpaceX, whether it's for uh, for Tesla, um, or or the the solar component of of Tesla, uh, it was going to be relatively targeted anyway um, mm-hmm. to the areas that he's covering um, in the median incomes that can afford the things that he's offering. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so I, I, there were more straightforward and cheaper ways for him to get that data. Now this may be a combination of I'd like to buy this service. I want to make changes. I'd like to get some additional data. It may be a combination of all of this that adds up to him saying, I, I want to buy Twitter. Um, but I think these aren't these aren't individual silver bullet reasonings for him to say, yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? It's going to be interesting to see what, I, I guess, first, what changes are made. And then seeing if that makes it a better platform or a worse platform. Like, I'm actually genuinely, I guess, like excited just to see what happens. <laughs> because at the end of the day, there'll be something that replaces it if if it if it's a car crash, right? I yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see some change because there there has not been a lot happening within the Twitter world b- besides the the fiasco of the top versus latest tweets. Um <laughs> For for quite some time, yeah. um, I mean, what the expansion of the the character count, yeah, um, and uh, them trying to force the the algorithm on you. That's really been it, which yeah. is a shame because there's a lot that I like about Twitter. I I like the small snippets, um, yeah. just from a consumption perspective, yeah. Um, and I like a lot of the people. I, I like like the the wireless community. I I like the community that's within Twitter for for um, for the wireless folks, and and I think TweetDeck on its own has some great tools for you to be able to parse through a lot of stuff or or create content to put out on Twitter. But uh, th- there hasn't been much in a long time, and I, I think this shakeup m- might be good at least. Yeah. Maybe infuse some money and and get some development into new features. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Like you say, it'd be interesting. I know some of the things he's talked about has been things like, um, you know, end-to-end encryption in DMs so that they can't be kind of saying, which again, sounds like a, you know, good, sensible thing to have. Yep. Um, uh, edit. Edit, yeah, that's right. What did he say? Like up to 15 minutes or something afterwards, you should be able to quickly edit it, but that the original will still be available. Or something like that, so it will show you that it's edited. You can click on it and still see the original. Uh, yeah, and I mean, uh, I'm constantly tweeting something and then realize I misspelled yeah. and uh, or got got autocorrected, and then and then go back. I what uh, like I did delete it and then repost it. So yes, uh, <laughs> I think that'd be good. Like maybe some preview for their shrunken thumbnail thing for images um, would be nice because right now you basically if if you're a company that does that's posting pictures um you basically have to have a separate twitter account (laughs) to frame that picture uh post it see whether it shows up there's some rules that you can do to to sort of uh to encourage it to show what you want but uh it doesn't always work yeah um or even just being able to post a picture and then select here's the square where do i want to highlight um that'd be great yeah totally yeah Uh, yeah, so some basic usability stuff would would go a long way towards improving the experience and and maybe getting some folks back. Um, I think that with if content moderation policies shift away, some people will probably leave. Some people will probably come back. Uh, it's yeah. going to be up to you whether that's something you want. Yeah, totally. Yeah, nice. So I think what one of the other one of the other things that I saw recently which kind of made me smile was and i think this is us only at the moment but is the the apple self-service repair have you seen seen yes yeah i'm excited for this as well that that uh i i'm a huge proponent of right to repair and and you owning your devices and when something breaks being able to get the part um the the being able to make sure that you can get the part, get the repair manuals, um, yeah. understand what needs to be changed. And uh, I think a- Apple, uh, a lot of it just from design decisions with everything shrinking and getting glued and soldered has has not been great on this uh, on this topic. Um, not that there aren't others that aren't fantastic on it either, but uh, this is, I think this is a, a move in the right direction. Um, 
although there are still some issues with it, but uh, you, you, yeah, you'll now have the ability to um, uh, buy parts from Apple and rent repair tools as well from, from Apple. Uh, I think the rental is like 50 bucks uh, and you get, you get a pretty good piece of kit out of it too. Um, And it's like a Pelican case showing up with a bunch of stuff slid in. And, and, and for me, I think like you get, you get, genuine parts because the one of the biggest things for me has always been you know when you, you know, i had to do it for an old ipad for my son where it's like it's not worth buying a new ipad because it's just a cracked screen it's not worth going back to an apple store to getting the repair because it's you may as well just buy a new ipad <laughs> yeah it's 90 percent of the cost of right, exactly, the new one right. if you're going it's it's insane yeah Whereas, like, I, I've i got enough technical skill that if I had the right tools and I had the right parts, I, I back myself that I could do it. And so the fact that there's now the possibility that you could do that, you know, I, I, think, that's a, I think that's a massive thing. That's, that, and, and the fact that you have proper repair manuals you know so you know as great as i fix it is and i've got i fix it kits all over the place in my in my house um like as great as that stuff is having a proper manual from apple this is how you do it you know this this is the tool you use this is the replacement part you know and and i've seen that you can get kits but you can also buy like hey you know, my security screw has come out the bottom of my phone and I just need to buy a replacement security screw, you know, that's 90 cents. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, it, it is good. And I, I think this will actually make services like iFixit better when they have the official yeah. repair manuals and they're not trying to cobble something together and breaking a bunch of them to figure figure that out. So <laughs> uh, that's really what we want. That, that uh, I mean... Uh, Cars are actually going in the wrong direction as far as repairability, but we want it to be like that model where you can take yeah. it to an independent repair shop and yeah. and get stuff repaired and and be able to buy parts from the manufacturer. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, that, for, that's one of the main things for me. You know, so many times I've got friends that have gone to to one of these like independent shops, and now their Touch ID doesn't work because that repair shop can't buy the genuine part from Apple to to get that to work right. And I understand why Apple have done it, because what they're saying is, well, that's the thing that protects the secure enclave. That's the thing that gives you the the security protections, right? We don't want someone putting some dodgy something in there. Well, now this is going to give that option. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, that's been their, their position, but also previously while refusing to sell the right... Yeah. Uh, the right hardware to them so uh, if, if if their position is that no you can't have a third party one if if they also had offered to sell them to some to you whether it's you directly or whether it's yeah. uh, the independent repair shop that'd be one thing but they're saying no you just like straight up can't repair it yeah, exactly. um, yeah, which you is can't fine. have it he can't have it like come back to us and just just buy another one it's fine yeah and, and I I think what I saw when I was reading through this is that not only when you so if you buy a spare part right you can also send back the broken part and they'll recycle it which i think uh, yeah that's great uh, yeah that's a, a step in the, in the right direction as well is being able to um to recycle this because a lot of like in, in the u.s at least that the if you if you have a town transfer station that you bring bring your trash to um, they've got like battery and electronics bins but there's no there's no accountability for where that goes. Some some recycler buys it, and then I mean, it could just all go through a shredder, and um, <laughs> a magnet comes along and grabs the stuff, and and that's yeah. it. And just gets dumped in the in there. But if if Apple's if you're sending them back to Apple and they're they're uh, recycling them correctly, uh, that that's a good way to go. Yeah, yeah, no, I, th- I think so. And I, I'm I'm starting to like this closed loop system. You know that that I think actually. Probably you could say Apple have been at the forefront of kind of getting ahead of it in terms of trying to create this, you know, full cycle of, you know, a lot of their stuff now is, you know, a lot recycled aluminium and, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're recycling a lot of the kind of precious metals and things like that inside their, their kit now. 
I think if they can if they can get a close a closed loop system on that, that'd be that'd be amazing. I, yeah, I mean, the they're using some recycled materials, but certainly not all of it is, and no. and I don't know that that's a great way for, for that to happen. And uh, I think that as long as consumers understand that buying a new iPhone every year is probably not great for the environment, um, you can you can remove some of the sin from that by recycling your old one, but yeah. it's still uh, it's it's still not great. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, he's, I, I've he's, seen. He sits with two iPhones on his desk. <laughs> uh, so I've seen some. Uh, I've seen a couple of stories in, uh, about the cost for some of this, and it, it doesn't sound like it's cheap um no. to grab new screens and and parts from from Apple for the small stuff. Yeah, like the the little SIM slot and everything. That's. That's fine, but the the modularized components, the the uh, the battery and the screen with the um, yeah. with the Touch ID and the camera assembly seems to be uh, I don't know seventy percent of the cost of having Apple do it. So a little bit better, but not um, certainly not a bargain by any means. Well, like for instance, the so the iPhone thirteen Pro battery bundle, right? So I'm I'm on the the selfservicerepair.com site now so that's that's 71 dollars but you get 24 dollars 15 back once they receive your recycled part so all in it's 46 dollars 85 for a replacement battery and and that that includes the screws and all the adhesive and all that kind of stuff. So it's not just the battery. It's, it's all the stuff that you need to, to make it properly repaired. Um, I think, you know, $50 to replace your, your iPhone battery is pretty good. I, yeah. So the, the battery was one of the ones that was a little bit better. Um, if you jump over to, so I'm looking at like the iPhone 12 pro display. Yeah. Um, the display bundle is 270 bucks yeah um, but then the display must be the most expensive part of the because because that's the that's the that's the uh the led screen that's the the touch sensor and it's the glass right because now that's all one it used to be that the, the touch sensor and the the display were separate right but it's all one piece now isn't it uh, yeah, and, and I mean a lot of that. A lot of that comes down to design decisions by Apple to, to oh, sort of, of shrink that and and, yeah. and get them get get them thinner. Where uh, you could make a, they could have made engineering priorities to make this more repairable and more modular, and 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 not had these these parts combined. So, same thing as some of the car manufacturers is that yeah. they've done it for ease of installation and being able to buy a, a whole assembly from a Bosch or a GE or someone like that where um, uh, it's, it's not for ease of repair and longevity. But what, but what I, what I think is interesting is, is that that, that bundle also includes the, the thing we were talking about in terms of the system configuration software tool. So, so this will, this will allow you to be able to reset things like face ID and, and things like that as well, right? Because traditionally, you would lose some of that functionality if you'd done a standard display replacement. So this is... Yeah, right. So now that it's an official Apple part and they've given you the the tool or the software availability to to be able to to validate that in the, in the eyes of the security chip, yeah. um, that it's now functional. Yeah. Which which I like, right? Because because now you've got you've still got that, you know, security integrity, um, but the, you know the staffing cost, because because effectively what you do is you 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 phone up or you you do like a, a live chat, and one of their engineers basically takes you through that that system, right? So that you can reset that config and that it's basically validated as a as a proper repair. So I, I expect that a lot of that cost is actually on the kind of staffing of that, that integrity check, right? Yeah. You can also rent the tool kit. So um, like looking at the, um, let's just keep it the same, looking at the iPhone 12 pro, you yep. get two 
like Pelican cases with uh, yeah. a, a pretty big list of stuff in there. Uh, battery press, display press, a heated display pocket, heated display removal fixture, um, a repair tray, adhesive cutter, nylon probe, uh, a, a display press, a display adhesive press plate, uh, protective cover, um, torque kit, um, that kind of thing. So, so yeah, it's yeah. it's fifty bucks for the rental, um, and they're they're good sized. Uh, so, uh, yeah, when you stack the two on top of each other, twenty wide and forty seven inches high, <laughs> um, forty three pounds and thirty six pounds, um, and they're they're they they look pretty nice. So, they, yeah, I'm actually, they're, they're quite... the penny cases with the roller wheels and everything, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I'm actually quite pleased at this that it's as cheap as it is. Yeah, um, that that's a that's a lot of kit to rent and ship back and forth for fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah, and that's a seven day rental, isn't it? For fifty bucks, you get that for seven I, days. Uh, yeah, and you can buy the individual tools themselves separately as well. Um, so um, the display removal fixture is two hundred and fifty six bucks. So. If you're uh if you're a large enterprise and you've got a bunch of iPhones kicking around um, totally. that you have to constantly replace, like buy it. Um, same thing with the press, two hundred and sixteen bucks. Yeah. Just buy the tools, and then you can yeah. just buy the parts from from Apple directly. So so Apple have always had that as an option, right? So if you, if you had X number of devices that that you had purchased as a business, you would purchase the Apple Care Enterprise. You you for free. Because you had the Apple Care Enterprise for free, you could get staff members trained, and then you could purchase the the tools. That's always been a, an available thing for enterprise that I don't think a lot of enterprise companies realized you could do. Um, I didn't realize you could do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I like I'm talking uh, from a UK perspective here because that's all I've had experience on. But I, I'd be surprised if that wasn't worldwide. Um, but yeah, if, if you're an enterprise customer and you, I think it's, it used to be something like a hundred devices. If you had a hundred devices that all had paid for Apple Care on them, then effectively for free. And not only that, but once you were then registered as a repair center, an internal repair center, you could hold stock of spare parts. Um, okay. Yeah. So it looks like on the U S website, there's, there's different tiers for it. There's, uh, 200 devices, 1,000 devices, and 5,000 devices. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so, 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 you know, these tools, it's not like they've come from nowhere, right? Because I, I think that this, is, this, has, this has been available for enterprise customers for a long time. And I think this is now just them kind of going, well, we've already got all this stuff, Right, we've already got this whole management and uh, inventory management system to deal with all of our enterprise customers. We're feeling some heat here from right to repair. Let's just open it up. I, yeah. Now, to be clear, this is only for the iPhone right now. There's no support yeah. currently for any of the the MacBook or iPads. Um, yeah. So this this would not have helped me when I was coming back from WLPC and my iPad fell off of the. Uh, the rear seat from the, the seat in front of me on the plane and the screen slammed into the armrest on and just absolutely shattered. Um, <laughs> and so I think that was 270 or 290 bucks later for the repair uh, on the, the screen. Uh, it was an iPad Pro and I'm like, I'll look and see like maybe, uh, I forget what year it was, but uh, yeah, that uh an ipad pro and i had looked and it was cheaper than getting like the new ipad air or the new ipad pro because i like that form factor yeah 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 it's a much more much more premium looking product than the than the, than the old school ipad with the bezel <laughs> uh, yeah the gigantic bezel which I, actually it's it's been a pretty good move that they've kept that form factor because that's what all the schools have so your yeah. um regardless of what year you've bought for it all of your accessories your cases and stuff i'll i'll work for it yeah um, so, so that's actually been a relatively good move from them um i i'm suspecting that in the near future they're actually going to update that one to look a little bit different but 
I expect so, but but like the 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 base iPad now, right? That's what three hundred and nineteen dollars new. Um, you can use an Apple Pencil with it. Okay, it's a Gen One pencil, um, but you can use an Apple Pencil with it. And so for schools, it's dirt cheap. You you know, when I I think back to when I used to to be a sysadmin in the school. You know, we were lucky if we could find a laptop for 300 quid that was any good. Um, you know, and now to be able to get iPads for that, you know, which which don't have the kind of virus concerns, don't have the management overhead that these laptops and things had, you know. Great, great resource for schools. Uh, yeah, so so if you if you've got an MDM in place that that they're uh, they're I mean you have to it that yeah. that's there's no there's no getting around it you're not you're not setting them up individually uh, but yeah three hundred twenty nine bucks with sixty four gig uh, and four seventy nine if you wanted the the two fifty six gig model uh, they've got uh, I'm looking at the website they've got the the A thirteen chip in them like they're they're cool little pieces of kit and I think yeah. they're a, they're actually a pretty good buy for what you get out of them. I would say for most non-technical people, you know, people that, that are, you know, need a computer for the house, you know, 80, 90% of people, the base iPad would probably be more than enough for most people. Uh, yeah. If you're, if your mom wants to yeah. browse, uh, browse CNN and, and Fox and, uh, and check out Facebook, like, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> great. I, I probably wouldn't do a, a, a laptop of that price because they're garbage <laughs> right yeah they they would be plastic pieces of mess uh, well and underpowered as well yeah uh, that you, i mean in a year or two you're you're throwing it out because it can't run anything that yeah. uh, I, I, i'm not i mean i've i've got the apple ecosystem but like the, the, i i still think a lot of this stuff is overpriced the base ipad is not um right. and i think it's a it's a good it's a good piece of kit um, and certainly better than a lot of the other stuff. Although the Chromebooks are, are, uh, I think for the price are pretty cool. Um, and particularly if you're not buying the cheapest, cheapest one. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'd say if you, if you're spending like 300, 350, you can probably get, a, you know, a decent Chromebook for that. Well, and they've got, uh, there's like the Pixel Book, so you can spend twelve hundred, fifteen hundred bucks on a Chromebook, and I'm trying to figure out who's doing that to, yeah. <laughs> to just to just run a browser and Google Docs. Who is doing that? That that feels like that's there just for Google employees. <laughs> I mean, that. that yeah, that's just for the for the corporate stuff. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not. Uh, although the Pixel stuff has always been that yeah. um, sort of. This is an example of what Android can do. Yeah. This is a premium. Uh, Nexus was kind of mid range. Pixel's sort of shifting down a little bit to more mid range. Although the Pixel Pro has not been. Um, but uh, since Android has shifted into doing hardware with a hardware partner, um, that that that's been the example that. You yeah. other partners can can make your tweaks, but this is this is the greatest that Android can be for this generation. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I've I've said this, and I stand by it. The best stuff that Microsoft has made has been when it's done the hardware and software. You look at something like the Xbox, amazing. You know, really, really good. You look at the Google stuff. Really, really good. Apple, really, really, like, just make your own stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, and even, like, the Windows phone was very cool for what it was. There, yeah. I mean, there wasn't a lot of buy-in, so they, they trashed it. Um, there were some problems with the Surface, although the form factor, uh, like, I loved. I had a second-gen Surface, yeah. um, and, I mean, there were some performance problems and some battery problems, but, like, the um, when it was new that was very cool it was so thin and the, the flip out keyboard and uh it was it was basically what the it's, it's what the ipad pro with the keyboard is now yeah. um yeah. and i know a, a lot of the the wireless folks had had those as their survey machines back yeah. when you couldn't do anything on an ipad <laughs>
yeah yeah no it's 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 all good stuff i think there's there's definitely been especially with like newer hardware manufacturers there's definitely been this you know tesla's another example right of build the hardware build your own software to go on it and and you can see different vendors that are taking that approach there's a lot of you know in like in like the music industry and things like that there's a lot of things now where you're people are creating their hardware and rather than shipping out the software to something else they're they're actually bringing in software engineers in-house and going no we want the software to be like this and and you're seeing much better results because of that uh, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're building the hardware, you have a purpose in mind for what what it you want it to do. Um, that uh, like Tesla, for for instance, that, that they had the big screen is was that uh, was that going to Bosch um, and like just having some sort of third party build that up. But uh, I, I think that's Tesla's an example of a um, uh, of a car manufacturer doing doing a good infotainment system. Yeah. Um, although there's you still can't do like Android Auto or CarPlay on it. You got to do do it in with within do all the apps individually uh, yeah. within it. But uh, um, there's a lot of manufacturers right now that are buying third party hardware and then doing their own version of a software on it, not doing it very well. No. <laughs> um, but that's I mean that's car manufacturers deciding that we're going to do software. That's not a software company deciding that we're going to do software or or having a division that that runs like a software company. It's yeah. uh, um, but yeah, if, you, if you've got a purpose in mind for the hardware, like you, you want it to do what you want it to do. And the yeah. only way to do that is, is to tweak or have complete control of that software. Well, and, and to iterate, right. And to iterate that design. So I remember, um, I, I bought one of the first DJI drones, the, the white one. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. I've, I've got it in my garage, the white one with the with the four things it's got like the legs that always stay on and you you basically is that the the mavic or mavic no the mavic's a more recent one um damn it i can't remember the name of it um but but you you basically you bought the drone and then you put a gopro on it right so so they gave you the drone and the gimbal and, and it was all about the gimbal for them. But then it was like, well, there's no point in us doing the camera because we can't do it better than GoPro. So just buy a GoPro and stick that in it. That was you at the, if it was really early, it was the Phantom. Phantom, that's the one. Yeah, Phantom. So so I've I've had, I think every drone other than the DJI Inspire, which was the, the black one where it, where it, like the legs came up and then came down as it landed. Okay. So it had like retractable legs. Yeah. 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 So I've had all of their kind of like, not low end, but lower end. Cause they've got some like Octo drones and stuff like that. Really, really high end ones. But I've had all their kind of like prosumer drones, like the whole way through. My most recent one is the, the DJI mini two. Tiny. I've seen that and I am so jealous and like I want to get one but I'm like what am I going to use it for I, I think I've used it twice <laughs> but it's so good it's like it's like this big it's tiny and I was so worried because I live near the coast so um it's quite it's quite windy you know where we are if, if I ever did want to take it out you know flying it needs to be robust enough that it can handle that and I was so surprised that tiny little drone that you know you you use your you use your iPhone as the screen and you know the the optimizations that they've made have just been so so good like generation after generation after generation but the power of those little motors that they've got is is better than even the drone that I had before which was the uh that was the Mavic Mavic Pro I had before I got the mini two. It's amazing how good, like a little handheld drone, when you compare it to like the, the early stuff and uh, like the little toy stuff that you get, that's, yeah. that's sub a hundred bucks that, that yeah. doesn't have like four fifty or so for the mini two. 
oh. um, 4K video and just super easy to and use. From, um, and from like kilometers and kilometers away as well, you're you're still streaming back like HD video. Um, and you know, I remember I remember with the with the original one on the GoPro, it was like, you know, if you went more than like 200 meters away, it was like, it was getting ropey and you had to have like a completely separate screen that you screwed to the controller and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And now it all just works, works through the app on your phone and it's, oh, it's incredible. Absolutely. And there's, I think there's an even cheaper version of the mini. Uh, there's like a mini SE. Oh, is there? Oh, nice. Oh, hang on! It bumped me to the store, so now I can't find it anymore. As I as I look and try to fi- try to find this, it was on the main main oh, yeah, site. Yeah, um, there is. Yeah. What does that one run you? Oh, they they still sell the Phantom. That's amazing. Yeah, so I think I think the only one I haven't had is the uh, Inspire series. Um, but all like the DJI Air, the Mavic, the Mavic Pro. Uh, oh, I haven't had the the um, FPV one either. The Mini SE is three hundred bucks, and you still get four. Uh, so HD video, so it's not four K. Okay. Um, but it doesn't look like there's a huge difference between that and the other one. And like three hundred bucks, that's a that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of gear for three hundred bucks. When it comes to the thousands and thousands of dollars that they they all used to be. Well, I guess I guess because because now the the phone is doing all the intelligence, right? It's the app that's doing all the intelligence. So the smart tracking, you know, all that kind of stuff, all that AI stuff now is effectively just software on the phone. Whereas previously, they were having to build that those smarts into the controller or into the you know whatever, or they were relying on the pilots because i remember when we had the um when we had the the i can't remember which one i think it was the mavic pro we had two controllers right so you had the the pilot who was flying it and then you'd have the cameraman had a separate controller for for controlling the camera um whereas now with this with with the mini 2 you don't need it right because you just point it you click on the screen on the phone and it and you it just tracks that thing. So the camera just does all of the stuff automatically. It's just, it's absolutely amazing. Well, and you think about it, even if they had the software to do that, that the, the hardware that was required to be on the unit, if you yeah. were doing that, that, that uh, you would have had to throw a huge processor at it. And totally. uh, that, uh, and it makes sense offloading a lot of that to the device that you're upgrading every two years. Yeah. As we talk about not as we previously talked about not upgrading every two years because it's bad for the environment. But uh, if you're upgrading the hardware on that and then things are offloading, so Android Auto and CarPlay take great advantage of that, uh, that uh, all the all the smarts, all the processing is on the phone and it can stream to basically whatever whatever hardware that manufacturer happens to have. And this is another great example of it is, is offload that to the device that's new yeah. um, and you've, you've paid for already. And if, have you seen that... Um... I think it, I think it was in the news this week. They were talking about. I think they've stopped selling these now in Russia and Ukraine because the. I know for a long time the Ukrainians were using just the DJI drones to spot, you know, basically use it as 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 UAVs, right? And and being able to see, oh, okay, this is where they are. You know, and they're just using these really cheap, inexpensive, like like you say, like two hundred and fifty dollars, whatever, drones. I, yeah, so if you're three hundred or four hundred and fifty bucks, and you give that to a squad of of soldiers, and you got one of them just running overhead, and the other ones are following along on a stream on their phone, like, all right, they're over there. Uh, I I could see how that could be incredibly effective, yeah. and I could also see how a uh, consumer division of a uh, uh, of an electronics manufacturer would not want to be involved uh, on either side <laughs> of that. We don't want to be responsible for that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, re- regardless of what they think of the uh, of the endeavor over there. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that that's one of those like we're not involved in war. We're not we're not going to participate. So I understand that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. But I, but I think again, like just just goes to show right the the versatility of this technology now that's so 
so free like not freely available but so easy to get hold of so easy to to use as well I, yeah that that uh i mean you think about the expansion and how cheap some things have gotten like you you look at tvs for instance and how cheap a uh 60 inch tv is now and i mean you you can spend a lot of money on one but you can get a decent one for pretty cheap yeah uh, so the same thing with with any of like the video cameras and and cameras that um that that technology from the gigantic professional ones are dropping and dropping and dropping and getting into consumer devices yeah. uh, and uh companies like dji are, are doing very cool things with it yeah uh, it's it's great to see this is one. This is one of the great things about being in the future. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's it's really interesting to see. You know, talking about things like you know Wi-Fi six E, and they're always talking about you know you never know what that's going to unlock. And for me, like that's always the exciting thing, right? Is this technology that's that's being developed and being iterated on and all this kind of stuff you don't necessarily know like what that's going to enable to happen. I think that's, that's always really exciting for me. I, yeah. When there's a huge expansion of, of bandwidth, like with, with Wi-Fi 60, that the, 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 the just AR and VR alone, yeah. not to mention other stuff that we're not thinking about for, for uh, connectivity experiences. It's uh, it, it's very cool and, and exciting to see, not just taking currently wired things, wireless, yeah. um, but uh, but that, new wireless thing. That's always that's always the the easy thing to do, right? Is just that substitution piece. Is like, oh well, now we use a wire for this. Well, now we wouldn't have to. It's like, right, okay, but let's think about how we can like, you know, redefine something because it's wireless. Or you know, let's you know, let's not just substitute wireless for a wire, like whatever. Um, you know, how, what, uh, yeah, yeah. It do doesn't you, matter if it doesn't move around anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, love it. Right. Let's leave it there, mate. Because um, my wife's basically just opened the door and looked at me and gone, I need to sleep. <laughs> All right. So Ryan is still AWOL. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll give him a hard time uh, he, next episode. He knew that he knew that you were going to uh, he knew you were going to give him give him pelters. So he was like, no, I'm staying away. <laughs> I, uh, that's I'm I'm an equal opportunity annoyer. So uh, Love it. If, uh, yeah, whoever doesn't show up, I'll make fun of. Good. <laughs> All right. Cheers, Chris. Thanks, man. Thanks, Dan. Have a good week. Bye.